We continue hearing the Holy Gospel according to the witness of St. John as we have been this entire Advent season. Today we're continuing in the first chapter all the way to the 18th verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him, but to all who received him, who believed in his name. He gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God the only Son who is close to the Father's heart who has made him known. This is the gospel of our Lord. Amen. Amen. So today we conclude these four uh, weeks of Advent in this season of uh, very focused and intentional preparation for the joy of Christmas. I hope uh, these sermons the past uh, three weeks have blessed you uh, in anticipation of the joy that is ours at the coming of Christ. And I pray that they've encouraged you um, in your daily discipleship and helped you in your, um, your worldview, um, a Christian worldview, as we think about life and what it means and who we are as God's people in this time and place. I have to tell you that um, it's really a blessing to have our website where the uh, sermons each week are posted because we have so many members who um, um, are required to work full weekends and can't even get here for our Saturday services, so... On those weekends they work, they're able to go and listen on the website to, uh, to the sermons. Um, there are some uh, young uh, pastors in LCMC who uh, listen to our sermons. Uh, God bless them uh, for encouragement and um, for ideas on how uh, the word of God might, might be proclaimed. And uh, lest you think uh, that's stealing, it's not. There's not too many original thoughts from any pulpit uh, all sermons are supposed to be uh, born, spirit-born from the Word of God. And um, we're thankful that young pastors might be encouraged through the Word that's proclaimed here. And as you know, we have many sons and daughters in the congregation away um, at college, in the military, 
Uh, we have uh, people that we support each month with care packages, and they also, um, when they have time, go and listen to the sermons on the Internet. And so if you're visiting today, uh, if you've been away uh, from worship for a while, uh, those three previous sermons are all posted there. And if you want to give a listen at your convenience, you know, then, then God be praised. And I hope that you would be blessed if you decide to do that. So let's just review where we've been. Uh, the first Sunday in Advent, we meditated on uh, the beginning. Not a beginning, but the singular beginning. In the beginning, John begins his gospel. And he's not referring to the uh, start of our Lord's uh, ministry on earth that happened when he publicly appeared and was baptized by John. Uh, He's not even talking about the beginning of our Lord's earthly life um, when he was born of Mary. But John is talking about the beginning of the world as we know it, uh, the beginning of creation itself. And uh, even there, Jesus was present. And then we talked about and meditated on uh, the role of the cousin. Many people are surprised to learn that John the Baptist and Jesus are cousins. We looked at the ministry of John the Baptist, whose name literally means John the Baptizer. That's what he was doing, baptizing people for the repentance of sin in the Jordan River. And he was telling folks to do what? Prepare the way of the Lord, just as we are to prepare the way for the coming of Christ. We make those preparations in our lives, um, in our homes, uh, in our church family, and we make those uh, preparations uh, in the world as we seek to lead people to Christ who don't yet know him. Uh, We do the work we've been given to do in Christ while there's yet time. That's our preparation. And then last weekend, we meditated on the light Uh, we remembered that Jesus came into a world and to a people who seemed uh, to prefer darkness. Uh, We saw Christ put in the dark place um, in a tomb when the world thought it could extinguish the light of God. And surprise, surprise, he was raised. The darkness does not overcome the light of God's love. And so we say with uh, the church throughout the ages that Jesus Christ is the light of the world, the light no darkness can overcome, and yet we remember because of the witness of Scripture that many rejected him then, and they still do. We know this. Yet this disbelief and this uh, rejection does not overcome the light of God's marvelous grace and mercy. And today we conclude with uh, the Word. The Word. John makes the point abundantly, repeatedly clear. Jesus Christ, which means Jesus the Messiah, the Anointed One, is the Word. The Word, Jesus, was with God in the beginning. Note that. The Word, which is Jesus, was God in the beginning. And John wants us to understand that uh, the Word is God. Jesus is God now and forever. Jesus is the Word means Jesus is the living God. Now, there's a similarity between 
the introduction to John's gospel in the very first book of the Bible. In Genesis, we also read in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth. And as you read that beautiful narrative of creation in Genesis chapter 1, you know, God says, you know, let there be light. God, you know, creates with a word, you know, the birds of the air, the uh, fish in the waters, and every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God calls, God speaks with his word creation into being. God says uh, in verse 26, let us make man, let us make humanity in our image. Again, he's speaking creation into existence. And who is this us? Let us make man in our image. Well, we know because of scripture and John helping us with this theological insight uh, that the us is the triune God. Uh, Let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, make humanity in our image. And this word, this eternal word, uh, Jesus, who was there, became flesh in God's appointed time, became a real human being, uh, came to earth, mystery of mysteries, wonder of wonders, fully God and fully human at the same time, which reminds us, that Jesus was not created. Uh, he is Lord over creation, and he's one with the Creator, the Father. Uh, that's why John can say in language that seems a little um, contradictory, um, he who comes after me uh, ranks ahead of me because he was before me. You see, even John knew that Jesus came before him, the eternal God. And Jesus himself in Matthew's gospel has something to say about this power of the word. (laughs) You don't have to look at it now, but maybe before the sun sets, um, take a look at Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says, um, be be word doers, be doers of this word, this Christ, this ministry, this mission. Jesus, as the Word, is not just some thing, some concept, or another um, part of our vocabulary, not just another word to be added to our glossaries. Uh, Jesus is the Word, and he says that you and I are to be doers of this Word. We are to live intentionally uh, the Jesus way. Um, He tells in Matthew 7 the story of the foolish man and the wise man. The foolish man did what? What a lot of our parents told us not to do when they were talking to us. Not to let, you know, the message go in one ear and out the other. He said there's foolish people who just hear the word. And it's gone. But he says the wise man, he does the word. And he builds his life. He stakes his life. He, He... on this word which is the rock and this is just another reason that we Christians love scripture and we love the parables of Jesus because they're so honest Uh, even when we do the word even when we build our lives on the solid rock which is Jesus Christ it doesn't protect us from the world around us it doesn't guarantee us that everything's going to be easy as so many false preachers would have their audiences believe today. Notice I didn't call their listeners a congregation. <laughs> the wise man 
and the foolish man both had to deal in Matthew 7 with pain and suffering, the storms of life, the floods, the winds, the rain. But the foolish man saw everything come crashing down. And the wise man was still there clinging to Christ. And uh, those storms, those difficulties did not prevail. And that's the promise to you and me from Jesus himself. Another way that the scriptures are so honest and so helpful to us in our discipleship today is that John reminds us that Jesus, the word, was both rejected and received. When Jesus walked uh, the earth, some rejected him, some received him. That's a corrective to those who say it must have been so much easier to believe in Christ in the first century if I only could have been there to see him. Well, many saw him in the flesh, saw the miracles, heard the teaching. And they still rejected. So don't think it was necessarily easier then. And even today, we see those who receive and those who reject. And we are called, in the midst of it all, to continue witnessing to this life. Uh, Jesus, who is the light in the darkness. Knowing full well that some might ridicule us and even reject us in our, in our faith. And yes, we do our best to lead others to Christ, even if that means inviting people who've got a whole list of excuses as to why they shouldn't be here on Christmas Eve when a um, relentless pastor sees them out running. We continue to invite and encourage, knowing that some might reject our witness. I still got that one no. It might still be a no tomorrow. But my job is to invite and encourage. So when others reject Christ, it saddens us to be sure Uh, but it should never surprise us it's been happening since Jesus began his ministry but we do not cease and we do not desist we do our part God will do his reminds me of um, the great Christian thinker writer, theologian C.S. Lewis you know and you might think he oversimplifies with this quote. Um, There's so many different ways that sociologists and anthropologists, you know, and those who study culture would divide us and categorize us, you know, with all kinds of spreadsheets. But C.S. Lewis basically saw two kinds of people. He said, there are two kinds of people in the world. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says, all right then. Have it your way. (laughs) See, C.S. Lewis knew that um, not even God would force someone into faith. Go ahead. Have it your own way. But by grace, there are those who understand what it means to say, Thy will be done in worship of a living God. And then, of course, John reminds us of this uh, great mystery. uh, The word in the flesh who lived among us, that literal translation is uh, pitched a tent among us, came down, lived among God's people, true man, true God. And this is a corrective on so much that passes for theology these days. Jesus is not just a good teacher or a wise young man, even a prophet. Uh, Jesus is God wrapped in human flesh. And the relativists who want us to believe that all religious paths lead to the same God They're just, uh, at best, confused and uh, uninformed. 
Uh, Jesus never said, I'm one path to God among the many. You know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And all the other religious teachers and leaders through the uh, centuries that many might point to are mere mortals, but not our Jesus. Not one religious leader of earth is God in the flesh. And that's a great mystery. And our world took this God and uh, nailed him to a cross. And even in that dying, we see uh, John's beautiful, beautiful reminder that in Christ we have this grace upon grace. That's a whole lot of grace. Not just one serving, but lots of grace. The world is so divided, even in the Christian family, so many different denominations, non-denoms, interdenominational, uh, so many Christians, you know, thinking they've got some monopoly on God's grace. Uh, I think that the divisions between Christians, um, to the point of where we can't even fellowship with some believers um, because they want nothing to do with us, uh, grieves God's heart. There is a time and a place and there is a significance to right doctrine. Absolutely. But Jesus prayed in John 17 that we would be one even as he and the Father and the Spirit have been one for all eternity. So um, don't think that I'm, I'm boasting here that we Lutherans somehow have a monopoly on uh, truth. But we Lutherans sure do insist that it's grace, not good works, that will save us in the end. It was Martin Luther who was bold enough to say in his day that not one of us is righteous enough to enter heaven because of what we've done or what we have so carefully avoided doing. It was Martin Luther who said, we are sinners one and all, including the Pope and certainly including himself. We are all as good as dead without Jesus. That's a hallmark of our Lutheran understanding of this grace upon grace. Uh, without Christ, we are lost, no matter how polite, hardworking, successful, uh, law-abiding we may be. We are saved by grace, through faith, in Jesus, and what he has done for us as this word made flesh. And because of Christ, we have received this double serving of grace and truth and grace upon grace and truth and grace in life. And that's God's doing that we receive in faith. I want to conclude with um, something that scholars aren't sure Luther actually said or not. Uh, Luther had many things that he wrote. I've got in my office a 52-volume set, and each book is about that thick, of Luther's original writings, uh, scripture, interpretation, uh, thoughts on uh, discipleship, uh, church and state. And then there's another book called Table Talk, just one volume. 
And it's things that were kind of passed down um, orally. Uh, people who remembered Luther, you know, sharing this story over dinner or um, sharing this conversation when they were in, um, um, in fellowship, you know, um, around the word. And so scholars aren't sure if Luther said this or not, but many people said he did. But it sure sounds like Luther to me. And Luther said, um, the cobbler uh, does not glorify God and show how devoted he is um, to Christ by in every uh, leather shoe, you know, etching a small cross. Rather, the cobbler glorifies God and shows his dedication to the king of kings by making good shoes. <laughs> that when the cobbler, in his God-given vocation, does everything to the best of his ability in thanks to God and in service to the neighbor, well, that's how the kingdom works, you know. So you think on your vocation, where God has placed you. Um, we want our lives to be cruciform, to be sure. We're marked with the cross of Christ and sealed by the Holy Spirit. But we let the light of God's love shine, even in the darkness of this world, by relentlessly doing our best, by seeking excellence. To God's glory, not our own. That he might be um, praised by our daily work. And I ask you now to, uh, to pray with me about this life that we share in Christ and about our calling to uh, the light in a world of darkness. So let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the word, the word made flesh, your son Jesus Christ. We all need the light of his life to shine brightly into our hearts, into our minds, into our homes, for we know the darkness that can surround and infiltrate all too well. We confess that we are lost without you. We acknowledge that it is your grace alone that saves us from our own sin and the death that we deserve. Now help us to be people of light in a world of so much pain and arrogance and confusion. Uh, may many others be led to faith in you through the perfect love you have established among us. May they see Christ through our witness to your truth, your goodness, and your mercy. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.